Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. And so here we are, we're a few days into the season, and already it's got me thinking about something because we just got past our first Apple TV broadcast and we were watching sort of how what would be a new age of broadcasting, at least what they were attempting to go for with the different stats and the graphics that were all on screen. And one, it got me thinking, oh, this definitely isn't the future of baseball coverage. But it also got me thinking, like, it is interesting thinking about where we've come from in terms of how baseball knowledge got spread and how we covered baseball and what we ask out of what we want our baseball coverage today to be in comparison to what it used to be. Right. And, and, and I guess if you, I think the same thing when baseball first started being played uh, professionally, like in the 1870s, uh, you had, you know, newspaper accounts, but they weren't even covering the games on a daily basis. A lot of the games were on Sundays, uh, you know, maybe not many during the week. So the coverage was spotty at, at best it was hard to follow the team in the, in the yeah, it would be the, the kind of thing that newspaper you didn't have a guy following the team you might just happen to be oh there was a game close enough and they had a guy free on a sunday to send him down there to look at it yeah i mean there were some dedicated baseball writers i think henry chadwick who uh was the guy that invented the uh was the official scorer and and, and, and the scorebook um he was a writer as well so that why he had a platform obviously when he put out what he did because he had readers that would read about you know him talking about baseball but it was not always just game accounts it, it was certainly not the way it became once right. the, the major league baseball and the mlb really became formalized and you started actually having like official team writers in a sense though not in the way we sort of have them now yeah it's interesting because there wasn't another sport right so you had although i did watch uh the english game on netflix and that was talked about the birth of professional soccer uh how it came to be a professional sport and paying them versus the amateurs and it was actually quite interesting and they had the same thing they, they didn't really have coverage and the same thing happened in the in here with baseballs you know they they only had one sport to cover but football really didn't become popular until but, the early 1900s and really football did not become a the dominant sport in the media landscape until the onset of television. Television changed football more than anything else. Absolutely. But, you know, baseball, because there's a game every day, there's 162 games a season, and, and writers were, you and you made this point uh, before off air, you know, the writers were the way you connected the team to the fans by, by somebody that wasn't one of the players. Right, right. In, in a sense, I always think about it, like a baseball writer back in the day was – the mortal that got closest to Mount Olympus. He was the guy that got to go in the locker room, that got to talk to the players. He was a, a regular person like you, like me, that got to interact with these guys. And that meant a lot to people back then because that was the only way you got to hear from them. You know, if I wanted to hear Pete Alonzo's thought on what the game last night was, the only play you used to be able to get that was from the baseball writer. Now I can get on Pete's Twitter and Instagram and he'll tell me himself. Pete will tell you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you really know, sucked when I got hit in the head the other day. Not so fun. You could be just a baseball writer, I guess, at the beginning because there weren't other sports to write about. Um, although a guy like Grantland Rice, I always remember one of the you know earliest uh, famous sports writers of the 20th century um, and made that famous thing about Ty Cobb and how yep. Ty Cobb wrote him letters about this, how this great kid is playing and Grantland Rice, well, wow, you got to check out this player, you know, and it was Ty Cobb writing letters about himself. I love that story about Grantland Rice and became one of the most famous sports writers, more for football, to, to, actually, than to he ended up being about baseball. Was, his name was actually used as the moniker for a modern day website for a while talking about sports made by sports writers that's how much of an impact Ratlin rice had so and before air travel right so you're, you're covering the team you have 
newspaper reporters were the real baseball writers. When we think about baseball writers, I think we mostly think about that kind of writing mm-hmm. as opposed to narrative writing in, in prose, like a book. Or no, something. people, yeah, when we, when we say <clears throat> baseball writers, I'd imagine almost every fan's interpretation and what comes to mind is a guy in a little tweed hat with like a little thing sticking out. Damon of Runyon, right. Falling around the team, you know, being Waiting like, for a quote, you know, something juicy. Casey, Casey Stengel, what do you think about the game this evening? Eh, like, that's what, that's what you think. And, and, and as we've talked about before, these writers oftentimes traveled with the teams by train before they were traveling by plane. And so they were seeing intimate things going on with the players that they often did not report. Right. That was a big part about being the baseball writer for the team was that you would be privy to behavior they didn't want the fans knowing. So you you had to play along if you wanted them to talk to you you had to keep their secrets right right and, and it's funny because even into the uh, the 1980s i'll just jump ahead for a second and we're going to talk about uh the met broadcast team of gary uh, uh gary cohen keith hernandez and ron darling in a second but you'd see occasionally on tv shots of keith in the dugout smoking cigarettes during the game okay i don't ever remember reading any writer that really talked about how Keith would smoke cigarettes because that was sort of a taboo subject. You didn't want to let the public know about how these it players happened. smoked. He was doing it, but we're not going to talk about right, it. Right, right. You, you just you would never hear, you know, never hear about it through the newspapers. And, and I think you have to think about the onset and the need of what the fan needed from the average baseball writer changed because originally you needed the baseball writers. For coverage, you literally what needed What happened them. in the game? Right. Without them, the average fan wouldn't know. There was no TV broadcast to watch. There was no internet. There was no radio for a lot of people. So you didn't even know what the game was without being able to look in the paper the next day and see the score yourself. And and if you remember, you know, so, you know, we're going to talk about baseball coverage more than why we, we thought we were going to talk about baseball writers. Um, and then we thought, well, really, baseball has changed so much in the way that it's covered that it's more that than it is just the way writers, you know, handle the game today. And and if you, you talk about, you know, the way baseball was covered when radio uh, was the first to really broadcast games um, and you had. Uh, ticker tape that would come into the studio and a guy like president ronald reagan was calling the game with complete with hitting two pieces of wood together to make it seem like the ball hit the bat and they would recreate the game as if it were happening with with piped in crowd noise to sort of give you the feel that they were at the game calling it you know in in real time when they weren't even there yeah because they had to turn it into a show and now obviously you graduated now the radio guys were at the ballpark calling the game so they could see it happening in front of of them so you could when you heard the crack of the bat you actually heard the crack of the bat not some noise they made and the way you covered radio and the way you still cover radio is different than the way you will be a tv uh commentator because you should have less words on television when you got the pictures that was always the thinking well, i think it's not the, so much the way baseball it baseball is just interesting because it's a game that's uniquely suited for radio in a lot of ways and that there's a lot of long slow moments and a lot of fast dramatic moments and they're constantly you know interspaced between one another and so it makes it work really well for ra- there's something really relaxing about listening to a game of baseball on the radio. Boy, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I, I feel the same way. And, and and obviously we're spoiled here in the New York being Met fans because we've got Howie Rose uh, on the radio who is going to end up in the Met Hall of Fame one day. But as I've driven around the country when I'm driving and, 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 and if I'm on business or whatever it is by myself, I love to turn on a ball game in a market where I don't really hear the radio announcers like you're in cincinnati and, and you listen to the cincinnati the local radio. cincinnati radio guy and the first thing you always hear when you listen to things is wow that guy's a homer 
right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, no matter what city I'm in, every radio guy seems like, oh, and, and it can you can get really thick into the Homer thing if you want. So uh, uh, you expect that. If there's one, there's a the, the my local radio guy is somebody I want to be unabashedly a Homer, right? Like, that's that's who they're supposed to be. That's your local radio guy. And and I think over the years, even that has gotten a little better because it used to be really pronounced, so to speak, as to how much of a homer you could have a team just be totally inept, but they're still the best team in the league, you know, and and, and they've just got a lot of bad breaks for the past 154 games, <laughs> losing 100 They're of just them. on the cusp of turning it around. <laughs> and, and the fans are like, yeah, that's my team. Like, they, the little engine that could. But I think, I think it's important. You need those guys because that's who your fans end up empathizing with that's who their connection to the team is as much as the players the guy that they're hearing every night calling the game is so important to their relationship to that team i don't think being a met fan would have been as easy had we not had gary keith and ron being a nick fan would be a lot harder if you didn't have breen and frazier in the booth so how baseball is covered is so important and i think one of the things that's really difficult for the industry is it's very rapidly being asked to change, and and not only asked to change the the way people consume. Look, you you can read articles as I did this week that just say the the, the baseball audience is incredibly shrinking. There are less people that are interested in listening to baseball, watching baseball, reading about, but those that do are more interested than they've ever been, than fans have ever been before and want to go deeper. So they want those outlets to be able to find more information about their team. The idea that, you know, I, I think about this. like And their favorite player. You could talk about pitch sequencing on any baseball broadcast these days, and the majority of fans will exactly follow along with what you're talking about. You do that 20 years ago, people would be like, well, what are you talking about pitch sequencing? You didn't go over that kind of stuff. Nope. Not in the, the context of the the broadcast at least. So it's just interesting to think about how we also expect these, these announcers to have such a command of statistics. Now we expect the average broadcasting coverage of the game to not only tell us about the events in that game, but the statistical implications of them. And then using those statistics, statistics to actually analyze what happened in the game and maybe identify the key moment in that game. You know, Oh, that pinch hit, in the the seventh inning, you know, lowered the Mets' win probability average by thirty six percent for this reason. It was a terrible matchup. I don't know why Showalter did it. That's how deep we get now. And and the the writers and the the preparation that they do, the writers and the announcers, uh, is much more detailed because there's so much more data available, and that's really the huge difference, right? Instead of waxing rhapsodically about the the sun kissed sky and in a and a nice fall afternoon which these some of these writers that wrote about baseball you know back in the day right 40s 50s even before 30s and all that the the word picture they painted was a beautiful thing to read and experience and and but it wasn't statistically driven the way that things are today you needed those writers to make the game into the legend it was they were the ones responsible for mythologizing all of these players and making them feel larger than life we don't need that today because i can watch mike trout hit another home run. He's already a giant in my mind. So I don't need the baseball writer. I, I watched his unbelievable majestic home run. I don't need him telling me about it in the same way. But baseball, more than any other sport, I'll go out in a limb and say, is a serial. 
Yes. Okay. So you know, NBA they can play three, four games a week, maybe maybe even more. But nothing. Baseball has got a story virtually every single day because there's a game virtually every single day, and and so that you are creating a narrative, a team that is in contention, and and the, what you would write about, and the fans would be sort of living with every word because that's how they're and living with is the team. But ultimately, a series of one-on-one matchups on a, on a variety of different levels. The pitcher versus the batter, the, the individual batter, the pitcher versus all of the batters, the teams versus the teams. Everything is somebody matching up against somebody else in a mano a mano situation. So it lends itself to the narrative so well because everything can be taken up to the next level. Well, yeah, sure. The, when the Mets play the Nationals this afternoon, whatever happens in this game is not a referendum on their season. But you can talk about the implications of this matchup in this game, how that spreads out across the rest of the season. It lends itself to this much longer-term picture storytelling that a lot of other sports don't allow. And then, actually, that hasn't changed. That's probably more the same in baseball than it's than, than, than any other sport. Um, and and I think the, the so these writers that you know came in, through baseball, and then you had the other sports. The NBA came up in the '40s, and mm-hmm. the NHL, you know, before that in the '20s. You know, some of them would write about multiple sports. You know, because you know, the newspapers only the, had so many. Had a sports writer. I mean, what the heck was the guy going to do look, in ba- January? I mean, look at this way: if the baseball players had to go get a jobs in the off season i'm pretty sure the writers were gonna have to too but you know there were few then that were that only did baseball right you were that the the idea of there just being the team writer that he his only thing was just following around the mets and writing about them but today it's different right you can be a tv commentator look i I think that the local broadcast teams across you know baseball um those folks that work for those those teams um probably do well enough that they don't necessarily need to that's their job job. that's their job if you're the the tv guy for any major radio guy you're probably you can do other things but you're 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 probably making sports guys you know a guy like gary cohen does college basketball games because he's a sports guy and he it's obviously the opposite of of baseball so he's doing what he loves to and do it's something to do in the off season when his true love isn't around but but as far as the the writers uh, the commentators have kind of come out of writers now so you think of a guy like tom verducci mm-hmm. who was a, a writer for si for a number of years never saw the guy on television didn't do any of that all of a sudden here here pops up verducci he's well-spoken nice looking guy and now he's got a whole persona that before a writer would never be seen talking no, or, or be, doing because it. didn't have to we, you didn't have to and now that's what people want there's been an end before we didn't need writers to give their opinion because we needed the story right. now we can all go and get the story ourselves so the more interesting thing is to have opinions that's why we have sports talk radio that's why you have an entire hour of programming on espn every day that's literally just people yelling at each other about what they think about sports yeah, when when ESPN obviously came out in 1979, uh, and then a, a publication they tried to put out in the I think it was the 90s was something called the National. Uh, you've never heard of this. And I was going to guess the ESPN they, magazine. They would, no, no, no. It was it was an independent publisher. And a bunch of sports writers got together and decided to pool their resources and go in on this publication. So guys like Lupica wrote for this. Mike Lupica, you know, and he was I think still writing for the Daily News. And so they started writing for the National, and they would charge I don't know a dollar for to get this paper out of the you know been in new york city on the street and it and then they would sell it at retailers it, it just didn't really catch fire right it it, it wasn't enough that it was too stratified mm-hmm. right for people to go i want to get the national every day and read about sports but that essentially it was a precursor to the athletic to the athletic where it works but 
only because, and you see it in the athletic. How often is the athletic criticized for having super clickbaity titles on their articles? Well, and and as you know, athletic has seemed like a really interesting concept, and and I and I like it. I, I like the writers in there, uh, particularly on the baseball side. I read it all the time. Oh, but, yeah, it's great. But, but the New York Times paid five hundred million dollars to buy the athletic, which tells me more about the athletics prospects as a standalone, you know, piece. It just wasn't able to to sustain itself long term without the ability to for the New York Times to leverage its content and and work together. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, the thing that attracts people now is going to be individual personality. That's why you can have these commentators that exist, not because they're necessarily great commentators, but because they're entertaining to watch. And listen to and and, listen and, to, and, and and read. So, you know, Jason Stark. I'll go, go through the athletic guys. Jason Stark. Jason Stark doesn't write about football to my knowledge. Maybe he may write something about another sport. He's a baseball guy. Rosenthal. Ken Rosenthal. He's a baseball yep. guy. Uh, Peter Gammons from the Boston Globes. These are all – and they don't really write about other sports with any – Regularity. regularity let's let's you know I, i'm not gonna the guy wrote an article excuse me you know it, it could happen and and there never was be, that opportunity to i think be just that and not have to do anything else but consequently you have to be go deep i love some of the stuff stark does when he you know because it's baseball yeah. and he comes up with the wildest you know but he's out- got to do that now because the average fan knows things you know the, guy, the, the last time a guy hit four home runs uh in two tuesdays in the month of april you know uh, a guy with eight letters and his name was president. You know, they get so esoteric and so deep sometimes, but they're still really interesting. Oh, yeah, it's And and I can't help but want to read every word of this stuff. So I am a big fan. You're a big fan. I want them to go deep. If you'd have done that kind of stuff, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, people wouldn't have known what you're talking about half the time. No. And they'd have been bored with that kind of stuff. Tell me what happened in the damn game. And I think that's why you look at these local sports broadcasts and and you're looking forward. And I think... Major League Baseball is trying. They understand that the traditional way of the television broadcast where it's two guys telling you what's going on in the game doesn't really work for a lot of fans anymore. They don't need that. I can watch the game. I don't need two guys telling me what's going on. I know the basics of the game. Yes, I can see it's you know two balls and two strikes. And I've watched enough baseball to know he's got a good slider. He's probably throwing one here. So, you know, I mean, how often do you and I sit there and literally say things right before the announcers say them? So I think one of the things you're looking at is what is what is Major League Baseball going to do? What are the teams going to do to change their broadcasts to diversify the audience they're attracting and retain their current viewers? Well, and and, and I think you're thinking television-wise because – I don't know how that radio is going to be able to change very much and, and how relevant, but th- that's going to be. So Radio I, will be relevant as long as people are driving around or, in their cars. Or, or wherever. You went, you're, at, you're at the beach, for God's sake. You could listen to it that way. But on the TV side, you saw what Apple did. You mentioned that the other night. So that's a good place to start where you can see they're trying stuff. And when you try stuff, you're so going to, you're I'm glad hear. they're trying stuff. What they are trying, it was yeah. not the preferred way I would watch a baseball broadcast, I, I think I would say. Yeah, I, I know. So, you know, they started with Hannah Kaiser did the game, um, and, and, and she had a tough road to hoe there um, because, you know, instead of in the New York market getting Gary, Keith, and Ron doing Max Scherzer's first start for the New York Mets, which would have been an amazing thing, she knew she's going into this thing going, great, all these Met fans are going to hate this because it's not Gary, Keith, and Ron. Right. No matter what I do, they're not going so, to like so, it. So one team's fan base is 
already starting off annoyed that they had to download an app and not listen to their regular announcers. And then Apple, you know, one of the cool things I thought Apple was, was trying to do is they said they were going to have the walk-up music that each player has and have you be able to download it on iTunes or or uh, within the music, you know, app. I, I, that's an interesting, you want to buy it, I that's like, clever. I, I think that's a good idea because it's something you hear and people like the players. It's a good way to, you know, oh, that's Lindor's walk-up music. I like that song. And then they also went the full data route by having the little area in the lower right corner where <laughs> it was just some of the most <laughs> baffling statistics I, I've I seen. think I was watching McNeil hit in the Met game that, that night. And so he's up there. And so he's 0-0 and, and he's you know, got a 4, 40% chance, 0.419 chance to get a base hit. He goes to 1-0. and Now he's batting 167. 2-0, he's batting 166. 2-1, he's batting 416. And I'm thinking, I don't need... None of these statistics make sense. I, I, and they don't, none, none of the and out of context, you don't know I, as you put it. Well, how many you know? How many times does he get swing on an zero and zero pitch or an one and zero pitch or a two and one one pitch? You don't even know the other data, and nor am I really interested in knowing what his propensity is on a two two count in the fifth inning of a game on the road in April. I think that's where the baseball brought they're trying to learn they're trying to figure out how do I deliver this broadcast that brings in all of these pieces of information in what does the fan want to know like like the problem is baseball is a game that's tough because it's like things I want to know like last night after Pete hit that grand slam towering one we wanted to know the launch angle and the bat the 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 speed off the bat 39 degrees by the way 39 degrees 111 miles an hour um but that because that's what that helps us draw a picture and there's a fascinating like this is the kind of stuff so there's a fascinating uh, twitter account out there for anybody that's interested um I'm blanking on the exact name of it, but if you search around on Twitter, you'll find it pretty quickly. But it's basically going over the parks and using the launch angle and the velocity. It'll tell you on whether or not the home run that was hit would have been a home run in how many other stadiums. So it's really – it's an interest. that's the kind of thing that if you can get up quickly – Guy hits a home run. Oh, that's a home run that would have only been in this one park kind of thing. I think that's um, a little overstated only because – you're, you, are, you, are you factoring in the wind that was going on? There's too many variables. So I, I think you, you you go out on a limb. It may be amusing to think that would have only been a home run in the Yankees. I think you said there was a unicorn home run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the Yankees. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been a home run in any other ballpark. Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not What does true. that actually mean? Really? No. Who cares? <laughs> but I think in things like BAPIP, uh, average you know, exit velocity for a batter. Those are all interesting statistics. Like I know for us, we were getting annoyed because they weren't giving us the miles per hour on the pitches. And that's one of the most helpful ways we have now on kind of figuring out what was just thrown. So there's definitely more information that they can be giving to us as we're covering these games. Like, you know what I think would be great? Why don't they put up a little uh, QRC code? Next to the batters, whenever they come up, that you could scan and would pop up the their season Statistics. stats on your phone. Yeah, you could do that, right? and that's a that's a good idea. Well, you know, look, you're you're a video game guy and a and a, and a esports guy. So what you see in an esports uh, telecast is that the right word? Yeah. But but video is is a screen. At least when I've looked at it a little bit, that has way more stuff on right. it like, than the average baseball fan so, is so used to. I seeing. watch I watch a lot of esports. You know, you know, big video game competitions, and the big thing. I mean, these these have millions of viewers a lot of the time. So the big difference is one, and every single presence of one of them, there is the element of the live chat. There is a chat box next to the broadcast because you're watching on a computer most of the time. Where everybody that is actively watching the broadcast is able to type in and enter messages. 
Now, I will be straight up. There is not a single piece of information that is valuable that is brought up in that chat. I'm glad to hear you say that. It is completely <laughs> worthless, but, but it's entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining because it's it, it gives you the it feeling of being in a crowd the same way when you're in the crowd and the crowd starts all chanting something. Seeing everybody in the chat switching over to the same message reacting to a play gives you that communal feeling. And I think that's what the younger generation really likes. We like that communal experience of watching the game with people so so here's the old guy right uh, stuff that happens is it's it's the transition and then i see this happening and, and baseball's got a lot more stats than when i was a kid growing up you oh, were yeah. lucky to get the overlay on there with hrs rbis and, and average. average yeah and, you know and you were lucky if you got that, that now now we get the guy's whip yeah, exactly. when he comes into pitch but but when i see something like that i think there's there's so much going on on the screen it distracts me from watching the game, and I haven't yet been able to do it as well as a, as a younger person can because I can't ignore it's, all the stuff if I want to ignore it. I'm like, I'm like drawn to all this exactly. other stuff. So, so what's nice is, you know, obviously when you're watching, you can actually blow the window up so right. that you don't see any of the chat. Sometimes I do that because the game itself is so good. I just want to watch that. But baseball's going that way, right? I in terms they, of coverage? Isn't, think, isn't that what's going to happen? I think what baseball needs to do is embrace the idea of having multiple avenues to watch the game at the same time. Are we talking like Peyton and Eli kind of stuff yeah. here? I think there's nothing wrong with having – you already have a radio and TV broadcast. Would it really – I mean you already have the feed. How much extra would it take to set for up – an alternate feed. For an alternate feed to just stream it to the internet? I can't imagine it would take that much effort on the team's part. And even if you're only getting a couple hundred thousand viewers, that's probably a couple hundred thousand viewers that weren't watching on TV. Even if it's only a couple tens of thousands of viewers, those are all people that are interacting, following your team that wouldn't otherwise be following your team. And here's what they're not doing as much today as they did. And old guys will, will agree yeah. with me. Here's they're not reading as much. They're not reading like if you, if you go to the traditional outlets that, that I grew up with and and people, you know, as old as me, right? You had your newspaper, so you'd look look for your baseball writer in the New York Post or the Daily yeah, News you, or Newsday or nobody the New York could, Times. I could tell you any of the current like uh, well, New Tyler, York Times baseball writer. Tyler Kepner, a uh, local guy here in Connecticut writes for the Times, really good baseball writer, and it makes me wonder. He's got to do a lot of other things. He just wrote a book, so that's how he can make a living because I'm thinking there's no way you can make enough being the baseball writer for the New York Times it's these a change, days. It's a changing landscape and it's just really interesting to think about the evolution of baseball coverage right. going forward and and because that's how we engage with baseball, how it's covered. And to think that the landscape is shifting around that is just really interesting for the future. And and it leaves room for the the rhapsodic, uh, the you know, the the great writers to you know who write these long narratives. Roger Kahn wrote The I Boys of Summer about those. the Dodgers. They're but really fun to read. I think the problem is is that you need to let them simmer. You need to talk about those for teams over a course of a year or the player over a course of a career. When the guy's wapsing rhapsodic about a Tuesday night 7 nothing game between the Reds and the Brewers, it just feels a little hollow. Right, right, right. So, right. Coverage is different than writing narrative for books and fiction and, and nonfiction Agreed. when it comes to baseball. So I think that's a huge difference in the way baseball coverage has had to change because you don't want to read that when you just want to read the, the more detailed stats about the game that you don't want to have to go look up because they knew what you'd want and you were given in that narrative, in that, that, in big, that article, what you look for. The biggest difference is I don't need somebody to tell me the story anymore. I can I can go out and find the story myself. 
I want somebody to tell me their version of their interesting story, their interesting take on the story. And I want to engage with that. That's the difference today. On, on the co- on the coverage side. On the coverage side. Right, I want right. to engage and, and, and think about how the story, like, you know, somebody's saying, this is my interpretation of the facts. And now people want to debate that and go back and forth with that rather than just needing someone to tell them. Because we can all get out and go out and get the story ourselves now for the most part. Yeah. And you should go out and get the story yourself. Right? You should re- you have the opportunity to go out and find stuff about your and, your favorite team and, and favorite players. And why, which is why guys like Anthony DeComo. Andy Martino, those guys, the, the local guys that are really close with the team tweeting out the moment-to-moment updates, those guys are more important now. Those are really the, the reporters because they're the ones getting out those key little bits of information that help everybody else create that story right the tim Britton, who also writes for the athletic I, I i like the way he writes and and if you read the comments that people write back about they stuff, they write, vicious. Like, there's just trolls everywhere just you know you, if you say something you can so I, I can understand if you were writing that way you, you sometimes guys will engage i i notice they'll come back which i appreciate but the problem is it's a rabbit hole and if you start engaging with individual people there's a reason that, why that comment on your article you're never going to stop there's a reason why everybody it was such a big story when everybody found out kevin durant had a burner phone to argue with people on twitter on (laughs) (laughs) right and 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 so being a member of the media you know today you are not going to be chummy with the players in the same way in the same way that you used to be it's just different yes thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and you can follow us on twitter at almost cool 